Welcome to Not Just a Sports Report. Ding ding, how are you doing, my king? And of course, my queens out there. Welcome to part one of the NRL weekend wrap for round eight. Now, of course, it is part one because, of course, we've got some Tuesday games to come. But given that I'm going to be releasing a preview for round nine, I thought I'll split it up, review the first six games from the weekend, and then I'll do a separate podcast for the Anzac Day fixtures. Now, of course, usually we would start the weekend rap podcast with my performance highlights uh, from the round, but given that we're yet to see all eight games, I'll save the performance highlights for part two of the weekend wrap. So today, nice and simple, we're going to jump into the first six games from round eight, and I'll try and make it nice and short and, of course, sharp for your listening pleasure not drag it out too long. So we've got six games to get into. NRL Weekend Wrap, Round 8. Let's get amongst it. Round 8 kicked off with arguably the biggest game of the round, uh, a grand final rematch from a couple of years ago, and two teams that are really building some history against one another. South Sydney Rabbitohs, Thursday night, 20 points to 18 winners over the back-to-back premiers, the Panthers. Penrith, of course, having South Sydney's number in recent times, but the Rabbitohs with a massive statement of intent, winning the game at the death. I mean, it was an unbelievable display. Latrell Mitchell stood up big time, scored two tries, and despite having some mistakes, he really created some opportunities for his team. I thought Cody Walker was massive, and with the game in the balance, Stephen Crichton scoring his third try to complete the hat-trick in the 70th minute, it looked like Rabbitohs were all but gone skis. Then a 74th minute try to Luttrell, followed by a 78th minute try to Isaiah Tass, got the Rabbitohs home. It was unbelievable, and it was a win that I feel like the Rabbitohs needed, given that Time and time again, it has been Penrith who have sent them packing in their premiership journey, and this will be massive in terms of belief for the South Sydney side. As far as the actual game itself, it was highly entertaining, a very back and forth. Stephen Crichton, like I mentioned, scoring a hat-trick for Penrith, uh, but Rabbitohs coming back right toward the end there. And yeah, Latrell, like I mentioned, he was magnificent. I thought Cody Walker in attack really stood up as well. And given that a lot of the talk going into this game was the potential signing of Jack Whiten, and kind of the talk was if someone has to make way in the back line for Jack, probably going to be Isaiah Tass. So a very timely match-winning try, and Isaiah continues to impress in that left-center role. Now, the halves for South Sydney, they got them side over the line, Two try assists for Cody Walker and a try assist for Lachlan Ilias. And now the Bunnies, 
They will take a lot from that performance. The fact that the game looked all but gone in that final 10 minutes, but Rabichos just refused to rule themselves out of the contest, and they troubled Penrith a number of times. I thought Panthers, given their defensive structure and the fact that their defense really has been one of the main aspects of why they've had back-to-back premiership wins, well, that was really tested. South Sydney continued to find holes in the defensive line of the Panthers, and I was shocked. I thought for sure that Rabbitohs, it was just too much with not enough time, but they got it done. Unbelievable way to start the round. And now for the Bunnies, they can really start to get their heads up. They've got some wind in their sails, and now they head toward what is going to be a pretty busy origin period, so they're going to have to navigate that. Uh, But come the final series, this is a game that the Rabbitohs are going to look back on and say, we are more than capable of becoming the 2023 Premiers. Now, for the Panthers, still a very quality display, not too disappointing, uh, but Bunnies, the better side on the night, very impressed with South Sydney in that game, uh, and that led us in to the Friday night action. And unfortunately, the biggest talking point coming out of Friday night's game in Darwin was the hip drop tackle. The buzz term across the NRL at the moment, uh, the latest thing that the NRL seems to be cracking down on. Uh, I'm not going to get into that. I honestly can't be asked. I kind of made a, not a pact, but my idea when I started podcasting was that there were a few topics that I had absolutely no interest in covering. Now, the judiciary for the NRL was one of them. Hip drop tackles kind of falls under that category. Now, a couple of other ones uh, that I just thought I'm ruling out. The Paul brothers, Jake and Logan Paul, uh, given that I do MMA content as well, I see a lot of MMA pages that would cover the Paul brothers. And I basically said to myself, I'm not going to cover them unless they do something monumental that deserves coverage. But I just felt like there were already enough people covering the Paul brothers. So they are ones that I have no interest in talking about. Dylan Dennis, another one, uh, and judiciary stuff. So hip drop tackle, biggest talking point coming out of the Eels loss against the Broncos. I... We'll leave that to everyone else. I'm sure the guys on NRL 360 will be screaming over the top of each other, uh, talking about it. And look, pretty much every outlet for rugby league is talking about the hip drop. So I can't be asked. It doesn't interest me at all. I don't have the answer as to how to solve this problem. So let's just talk about the game, shall we? Broncos 26, Eels 16. Eels never really looked in it. To be honest, Broncos faster, stronger, better in just every aspect. Defensively, with ball in hand. Eels, they might make the top eight, maybe, but they're certainly not contenders. Uh, we saw as much. There's a pretty good look into where the Eels are at. They're going to be flat out uh, just to scrape in to the final series. So, very disappointed on behalf of Parramatta fans. Uh, but the Broncos... They continue to answer my questions. I've tipped against them the last couple of weeks, funnily enough. And yeah, they just continue to play well. They don't seem to get tripped up 
Now, of course, they did lose the Raiders game, but one loss in eight rounds, a mighty impressive effort. So for the Brisbane Broncos, with each passing round, the reality becomes more and more likely that we could be looking at a major premiership contender this season. Seems just like all these young guys who are elite young talents have taken their game to that next level. Think Reese Walsh, think Tony Staggs, think Herbie Farnworth, think Ezra Mann, who defensively last year, I thought he left a lot to be desired. And so this year, I have been so, so fucking impressed by Ezra Mann's defense. He's really made the right adjustments and we know that he can attack. So to see him defending the way that he is, uh, that has really impressed me. And Broncos just all around, extremely impressive. Now I'm hearing Rugby Union might be looking to make a raid and take Payne Haas. Uh, to be honest, I don't see that being likely. I saw that French Rugby might make an offer as well. I reckon honestly, French Rugby more likely to take Payne Haas than Rugby Australia, who signed really their own death wish or Super Rugby by being played on Stan Sport, which I have never met anybody who has Stan Sport. So yeah, it seems like the only time, and I'm not hating on Rugby Union. I'm from New Zealand. Like I love my Rugby Union as well, but it just seems like the only time Rugby Australia are in the headlines is when they're talking about stealing rugby league players. Now, if they had focused on their own development, this wouldn't be an issue. And yes, I am well aware that rugby league poaches plenty of talents from Union as well. But if I'm an Australian rugby star, which shock horror, I'm not. Um, if I'm in Rugby Australia and one of the current Wallabies or a young kid on the cusp of breaking into the Wallabies, it's certainly not encouraging me that Rugby Union, all they seem to be interested in is taking talents from league. Basically just says the guys that we have aren't up to it. So we're going to try to find some guys from another code uh, that are up to it. Now, they've already got Joseph Swali'i. We've got one back in Roger Tuovazashek as a Warriors fan. Very, very happy with that. Now, I'll talk about that in part two of the weekend wrap. Uh, but yeah, Rugby Australia just seems like the only time I see them in the news is when they're talking about Rugby League. So I think they just need to focus on developing their own talent. And if Rugby Union wasn't just like a private school boys game, then you wouldn't be in this fucking predicament. But yeah, it's basically just a private school game. And now through their own choice of how they've decided to run the system, they find themselves in a pickle where they don't have players that are up to world rugby standards and now they've got to look to the NRL. Funny that. Now, anyway, let's get back to the game. Broncos 26, Eels 16. Very lackluster from Parramatta. And look, it's a wait and see. I certainly don't have them as contenders. Uh, they could play finals, but with each passing week, they're just a shell of the team that got to the grand final last year. No Reid Marnie, no Isaiah Papali'i, massive losses. Uh, and now they're going to be without Regan Campbell-Gillard. Uh, he got injured, funnily enough, in a hip drop tackle, they say. 
and he'll be out for quite some time. So very unfortunate for RCG, who would have been in the frame for a State of Origin call-up, and hopefully he can get himself fit and firing, because the Eels are going to need him. They looked pretty average, very average against the Broncos. And now, yeah, I don't know where they're going from here. Certainly not all the way to the top of the competition. As for the Broncos, they continue to keep this run going, and I just get more and more impressed with each game they play. And now we set our sights on round nine. I'm not even sure who the Broncos play. Let me have, let me have a real-time squiz in real time here. Um, but Broncos, I mean, if they play pretty much the majority of the season in Queensland, and then they finish, let's say they finish in the top two, which still a lot of footy to be played, but if they finish in the top two, they could realistically play every finals game at Suncorp Stadium leading in to the grand final. So Broncos, I mean, for goodness sake, I think it's time to admit, this is a premiership contender right here. Oh, baby. I'll tell you who they're playing next week. The South Sydney Rabbitohs. That is going to be a blockbuster game, no doubt. And of course, I'll be covering that in my round nine preview. But biggest takeaway from this round eight game, Eels don't look like they're up to it this year. Broncos, quite the opposite. We have a premiership contender. Finally, a side that should always be in premiership calculations given, look, let's be real. They have advantages. They have a lot of advantages when it comes to third-party deals. Up until this year, they were a one-team town. And Broncos have always had the pick of the litter when it comes to Queensland's best young players. So realistically, this is how they should be playing. Uh, but, of course, some lean years in recent times. And now Broncos, the juggernaut, well and truly back up and running. But that was the Friday night game. Let's now move on to the Saturday contests. A core stadium, Saturday night, Sharks 33, Bulldogs 20. Uh, to be honest, really valiant performance from the Bulldogs. They showed a lot of heart considering the amount of crucial players that they were missing. Uh, but Cronulla, far too good. First half hat-trick. In fact, a hat-trick in the first 22 minutes for Will Kennedy. Career-best form for Kennedy. And look, he's unlucky given that fullback, we have some real superstars like Tedesco, of course Latrell Mitchell, Scott Drinkwater, among others. But at the moment, Will Kennedy playing as good, if not better, than all those guys. And he's been a major reason as to why the Sharks are starting to rise up the ladder. That was my probably biggest point from that game. Uh, Nico Hines had a fantastic outing as well. Uh, another noteworthy part was Ronaldo Mulatalo, unfortunately not being able to ground the ball when he scored a late try. Uh, but to be honest, like coming into the second half, I wasn't... This game didn't grab my attention too much. I was just kind of casually watching it. it just feels like it's a tough period for the dogs although they did exceed my expectations i thought they played a lot better than i thought they would have and they've got some bright young stars like declan casey paul alamotti jacob preston 
So as I always say, future looks bright for the Bulldogs, um, but it's going to be a challenging period from now through the rest of the season. That not necessarily a bad thing though. I think a lot of these young players are going to have significant growth and a lot more experience, especially given you know you have some leaders like Viliami Kikau and Josh Adokar who are missing from this side, and it's just kind of giving some of these young stars added responsibility uh, more so than they probably would have had to have on their shoulders at this stage of the season. Uh, but dogs are only going to be better for that. We of course saw the shift of Matt Burton to halfback. I thought looked like a good call and it seems like only a matter of time before we're going to see Carl Oluwapu enter the chat. But this game, it belonged to the Cronulla Sharks and slowly but surely they're starting to rack some wins up. I believe this is the first time in 2023 that Cronulla have actually had back-to-back victories. So a slow start, uh, but now Sharkies find themselves in fifth place, equal with the third-placed Panthers. Uh, So they're on 10 points, but from the Panthers in third all the way to the Dolphins in seventh, they are all on 10 points. You've got the Roosters and the Storm just below them on eight points with a game still to play this round. So it's very congested. Not just in the top eight, but actually from the entire ladder. Now, between third place and second last, 16th place, there's only two wins separating the 16th placed Bulldogs and the third placed Panthers. So, look, that is a reflection of just how competitive this 2023 season has been. And Sharks, therein lies the importance of getting consistent wins because, like I said, very little separating the bottom of the competition uh, from the top dogs. So the wins at this stage of the season are vital. Cronulla, first back-to-back wins of the year. Now they set their sights on their next opponent and, of course, continuing this push for a top four finish. Uh, But following that game, we had the Cowboys and the Knights in Townsville. And I've got to be honest, this game was, I don't know, there's just a lot of mistakes. It was a bit of a painful, painful watch. Now, Knights, I did say in the preview, after such a huge performance against the Panthers, it was going to be tough for them to go down to Townsville and to replicate the same efforts that they've shown throughout this year. So Newcastle, understandably, a little bit flat. Uh, And even in victory, Cowboys, far from impressive. Even with the win, they haven't done a whole lot to suggest to me uh, that they they could make the top eight. They've still got a long way to go. Now, that's not a bad thing necessarily. They've still got plenty of improvement in them. And if they can make those improvements, well, most certainly they're still in with a shot this year. But that was an ugly win. Now, for the Newcastle Knights, I must say, Greg Marziu has been a very excellent signing. Now, they did lose Chris Randall, which now, with Jaden Braley out for the year, they probably could have used him, but Marziu is exactly what Newcastle need. He's a tackle buster, he's a meter maker, and he's a try scorer. 
I like Marziu and Dom Young on the wings. Uh, I think they really provide a point of difference for Newcastle. But unfortunately in this game, they held on toward the end. But then last 15 minutes, Tom Dearden scores. Cowboys win, like I said, in a pretty ugly game. I would say, honestly, my highlight of this contest was the Cowboys Anzac jersey. That looked fresh. I honestly wouldn't mind if North Queensland, if their home jersey was something similar to that. I really liked the yellow uh, mixed in with their traditional colours. I thought it was an excellent jersey. So ugly game, sexy jersey, and yeah. I mean, a win's a win. Cowboys needed that. They needed that. So it doesn't really matter how you get it done. Two competition points is two competition points. Uh, Val Holmes running for 254 metres. Scott Drinkwater, I thought he had his best game of the season. Uh, Had a couple of line breaks. Had two try assists. Had five tackle breaks. So as far as creating opportunities and really providing that spark, Scott Drinkwater was the man in this game. And without him, I think Cowboys lose here. Now, Newcastle... I'm still encouraged by their performances. I expected them to be a bit flat in this one, but throughout the whole season, Newcastle are continuously punching well above their weight, and I think after this loss, they can go back to the drawing board, and they are still a chance of making the eight this year. Based on the performances I've seen this year, unfortunately for Newey, given how close this competition is, Come the business end, these close losses like the Panthers last weekend and a two-point loss against the Cowboys here, these could be the results that really separate them from being a finals team to just dwelling outside of that top eight mix. So Newcastle, they're showing a hell of a lot of heart, but soon they're going to have to start turning that heart into winning performances if they want to play finals, which obviously they do. But given the grim nature of how Newcastle were looking heading into this year, so far it's a pass mark, most definitely. Callum Ponga back on board as well. They brought him off the bench in this one. And I think the biggest narrative with KP is whether or not we're going to see him named for the Queensland Maroons. Seems likely that he'll take the fullback role, but Reese Walsh making a very strong case as to why he should be the one picked in the Maroons' number one jersey. In the end, though, biggest takeaway from this game was just that a win is a win. An ugly win, but a win nonetheless. Cowboys, hopefully for their fans, starting to get their season on track. That led us in to the Sunday games. And I'll be honest, over the last couple of weeks, a few different public holidays in Melbourne... Uh, So there were a few shifts I didn't work, and I just fucking needed some extra money. So I took a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday shift. Now, I got to see the footy on Friday and Saturday. On Sunday, I missed the games. I did go back and watch the KO Mini, and in fact, I saw the end or the second half of the Tigers-Seagulls game. But unfortunately, I missed the Dolphins Epic 26-point nil down comeback against the Titans. The Titans who have done this before, but 
I mean, it's that was bad. And I did see uh, the guy from BKR Sport cried, which, yeah, I'm not a hater. I don't want to be a bully. That did make me laugh after, yeah, I just caught wind. Someone sent me a video of Dwayne Bennett, not to be confused with Wayne Bennett, uh, and it was like a promotion for the Dolphins-Titans game, and he called the Dolphins, or he called the Titans, rather, the Titanics, uh, and then I saw BKR Sport come out and talking all kinds of shit, talking all kinds of shit, which he has said since then, he just wants to get people hyped. And like I said, I'm not a bully or a hater, uh, but yeah, he kind of had that one coming, talking all kinds of shit, and then as it turns out, Dwayne Bennett was spot on. Gold Coast were Titanics. They literally had a Titanic performance. Uh, and then that followed up with a story from BKR Sport crying. Um, which, look, I did laugh at that. But that's as far as I'll go because I'm not a hater. And respect to the guy for fucking wearing his heart on his sleeve. So I'm not going to hate any bloke that backs their team to that level. But I definitely will have a laugh if you're talking all kinds of shit and then you lose and end up crying about it. Uh, but yeah, that was kind of symbolic of the Titans' performance. I probably would have fucking cried if I was a Gold Coast fan. Didn't see the game. Did watch the KO Mini. Uh, Robert Jennings, goodness gracious. Uh, some shaky moments throughout the game there. Still came away with a double though. And Ewan Aitken sealing the deal. Dolphins! They continue to surprise us week after week. They just, they're better than I thought. Much better than I thought. And this was actually the first game this season where I tipped the Dolphins. So when they were 26-0 down, I did a little score check at work. And I was like, oh, wow, that's not good. Then next time I score check, 28-26. to The Gold Coast Titanics well and truly sinking and the Dolphins keep themselves in the top eight, and this remarkable season continues. So like I said, didn't get to see the full game, so I don't really have the full scope of who was performing, uh, but I did see Cody Nicarima with two try assists really stepping up, given that he's the experienced half alongside the gun youngster in Isaiah Katoa. And for the Dolphins, we really just don't know how far they're going to end up going. And it is very exciting to watch week in, week out, the, tol the Dolphins, the Dolphins? The Dolphins continue to just rack up the wins. Highly impressive stuff for the Gold Coast Titanics. Anything but impressive. Honestly, very alarming, especially given that this has happened before. Now, the Gold Coast Titanics... You're making your fucking biggest fans cry, for goodness sake. Like, this is a sign of a team that earlier this season, it was looking quite promising. But now they're starting to regress back to the Titanics that we were seeing last year. So alarm bells starting to ring. Gold Coast, they've still got time uh, to work things out. But that, that was bad. That was real bad. Uh, to do that. So 28 to 26. Biggest takeaway. Titans probably not as good as I thought they were. After the first couple of rounds. And biggest Dolphins takeaway. This team. And I say team because 
They have some great players, but they are playing as a team. Like, that is how they're getting their wins. They're sticking together in defense and also with ball in hand, playing as a team. And with this united front that competes week in, week out, biggest takeaway for the Dolphins is that they are significantly better than I had thought they were going to be. So full credit to the Dolphins for the Titanics. Goodness gracious. That, that was shocking. That was so shocking. But I digress. We move on. And speaking of shocking, the West Tigers. I tipped them. Goodness gracious. I said in the preview, I'm going to tip them here. And if they lose, that's it. No more tipping the Tigers. At least until they've had a win. So look, spoiler alert. For the next few previews, I'm not fucking tipping the Tigers again. Tipped them three times this year. First two rounds of the season. And then I was like, oh, fuck, these guys are terrible. Stop tipping them. Then, coming off the bye, I thought, let's give it one more crack. And to their credit, West Tigers, I must say, their last two performances have been their best of the season. They've still lost, so, yeah, pretty awful. But... If I want to look in the half-glass-full lens and be more optimistic, they are getting better with each performance. Still losing, and the season well and truly gone for the Tigers now, uh, but this was their best performance of the year. They were unlucky to lose. Actually, no, they weren't. They defended poorly, and they weren't unlucky to lose. They should have won, given that they had the lead toward the end there. Uh, but Seagulls, just a better side. West Tigers. I don't know. I've talked a lot of shit about them this year. But yeah, let's let's go half glass full here. Their last two performances have been their best. And they're slowly but surely getting better. So I am seeing improvement in the West Tigers. It might just take longer uh, than we had anticipated. Unfortunately for them, pretty much everyone in the competition has improved and Tigers improvements have been much smaller and taking a lot longer hence why they are dead last and I heard Jake Trebojevic after the game kind of say they've deserved to win at some point judging by like the heart that they've played with I say they don't deserve to have won because yeah then they didn't they couldn't defend properly uh, they're changing their spine every single week but yeah, I've had enough of talking negative about them. I'm not going to tip them again. There was a point there where they were leading. And I was like, this is a masterstroke. This will be great uh, for my tipping competition. Because I was the only person stupid enough to tip the Tigers. And yeah, I got what I deserved. A loss. An L. A big fat L. Tigers copping another L. Uh, although, Jerome Buller, decent debut. Made a couple of mistakes, but... He'll be better for that. And yeah, look, hopefully Tigers take something from this. Hopefully they see a lot of the positives in their performance. And hopefully another heartbreaking loss is the kick up the ass that they need to really just put everything they have into getting their first win of the season because it is starting to get very, very grim. So for West Tigers, if the trend continues, then... Let's hope they're going to play even better in their next fixture. But I tell you what, they still stink and I will not be tipping them again until further notice. 
On the Sea Eagles side of things, very flat performance. Uh, I guess that makes sense given the physical nature of last weekend's contest against the Melbourne Storm. And Manly, yeah, it was pretty average, but they got the win. So, I mean, that's a positive, right? Even when you're not playing at your best, you walk away with the two competition points. And Manly still sitting in the top four just quietly. Biggest talking point though, Tom Trebojevich picks up an injury. Not sure how long he's going to be out for. That's quite devastating. What does that mean as well for the New South Wales Blues? I think we see Campbell Graham uh, and Luttrell in the centres. But for Manly, look, we've come to know that Tom Trebojevich is the most important cog in the machine as far as Manly pushing for the Premiership. It's only round eight though, so even if he is to miss a chunk of time, hopefully when they get him back, he can stay fit and healthy. Uh, but yeah, as a neutral fan, just as a fan of rugby league, it sucks to see Tom Trebojevich go down again. Got a feel for the guy as well. He just cannot seem to catch a break. And then all of a sudden, the narrative starts to revolve around Tommy and, you know, how much money they pay him and his importance to the side and how much footy over the last few years he's ended up missing. Uh, so it's really unfortunate, but hopefully this is just a bump in the road. Let's not forget, Rugby League, an intensely physical, extremely tough game. So there are always going to be injuries. And in fact, this season, we're seeing more injuries uh, than we have in a long time. So I think it's more a product of playing the toughest game in the world uh, as opposed to Tommy being fragile. Uh, so hopefully he can get things right because as a rugby league fan, the footy is so much better when Turbo is on the park. Uh, but yeah, Seagulls fans will definitely be a little bit nervous. And I'm interested to see how they navigate the next few rounds without him. But Seagulls, they get it done. West Tigers, I don't know. Well, look, I don't want to say they've sunk to a new low. I think they've kind of just stayed at the bottom. But they at least they haven't sunk any lower this weekend. They've stayed out of the news. I haven't heard anything from Justin Pascoe. Uh, we haven't seen Dane Laurie like any Instagram posts. So Tigers, I guess you could say they're on the up. I mean, you can only go up from here. So that's the positive for Wests, but it's been a dreadful season. Hopefully they continue this trend to continue to improve. Not so much relevant to this year, but hey, if they can continue to improve as the year goes on, then 2024, reload and try again. But Seagulls keep their spot in the top four. West Tigers stay glued to the very bottom of the ladder. Now, let's move on to the next game. Is there a next game? Probably not. There might actually not be, because I was only doing six, right? Let's have a fucking squeeze. That was it. That was part one. Whoops-a-daisy. There you go. So, we did that in just under 40 minutes. Booyah. Uh, now, part two, what's that going to entail? That is going to entail the performance highlights of the round, which you'll also be able to find over on our Instagram, at not just a sports report, uh, we're going to be waiting, or I'm going to be waiting, until the end of the round, obviously, 
uh, before I put out the performance highlights. And if you haven't heard the podcast before, performance and highlights, uh, they basically entail player of the round, team of the round, rising star, tough stuff. We've got a cause for concern, uh, a team that is giving the most reason to be concerned. And yeah, there's a few other things as well. So I'll start the part two podcast with the performance highlights and then only two games to jump into, but two games of great significance on a day that means a lot on the Australian and New Zealand calendars, that being Anzac Day. Now, of course, thank you to all those who have served in the past, especially the Anzacs themselves, and thank you to all the servicemen and women who are serving us right now. Uh, So yeah, a lot of sacrifices being made from these people in service. Anzac Day, a phenomenal day to honor their work and a great day on the footy calendar. We got the Storm and the Warriors. Of course, I am a Warriors fan, so I cannot wait to jump into that game. Hopefully, we don't get 70 points put on us again. Uh, Of course, as well, that podcast, I'm going to touch on the massive news, Roger Tuivasa-Shek returning to the club from next year onwards. Talk that he's going to be playing in the centres, but finishing his commitment at the Auckland Blues over in Rugby Union for the rest of 2023. Also got the Roosters and the Dragons. Uh, Big news with Sam Walker dropping out, Joey Manu shifting into the halves, and two massive games that hold a lot of relevance to the top eight finals race right now. Roosters, Dragons, Storm, and the Warriors. Part two, I'll be talking about those games, plus the performance highlights. But as far as part one, of the weekend wrap, that has been it. I've jumped into all six games, kept it nice and short uh, so that it doesn't take too long to listen. And yeah, I'll be reloading on the Tuesday evening for part two, followed by, of course, the weekly preview. I'll be jumping into all games for round nine. And boy, do we have some bangers ahead. So that has been the weekend wrap. If you enjoyed today's podcast, Best way to support Not Just a Sports Report is to follow us over on Instagram at Not Just a Sports Report or to follow us on whatever podcast platform you are listening on and you'll be able to see as soon as part two of the weekend wrap has been released. But that is it from me today. Nothing else to do now uh, but sit back, chill out for the Monday uh, before launching headfirst into what should be an epic. Anzac Day, chock full of some great footy. That's been it though. Thank you so much for listening. Enjoy the rest of your week. And most importantly, enjoy the footy tomorrow. Two extra games, two games of footy on a Tuesday. How bloody good. Thank you and have a ripper. Red Rooster, ripper roll. Not sponsored though.